Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church. Let's listen to our senior pastor, James Aiden. Hey, well, it's so good to have you here today. If we've never, ever met before, my name is James, and uh, I'm a part of Favor Church here. And You know what? We're going to get straight into the Word of God today. I'm excited about what I want to share. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. Last week, I preached from 1 John chapter 3. Now we're going to the next chapter in chapter 4, starting at verse 15. It's going to be on the screen as well if you want to follow along. It says this, All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with the confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. You know, the title of my message today is simply this. It's called No Doubt. And uh, not just a great band, uh, Don't Speak, I Know Just What You're Thinking. Uh, Not just about that, but it's about having no doubt in our Christian walk and our relationship with Jesus. I remember the day that I married uh, my wife, Kate. I was nervous And I remember driving to the church, and I was nervous. I was with all my buddies. My best men were there, and uh, and we were there. We got to the church, and I stood at the front, and I was saying hi to people, and I I was nervous. And then that moment happened where they said, all rise, because the bride is coming, and I was up on the stage, and you know, if you've been married before, man, you're kind of a little bit nervous. And, and, And as Kate appeared around the corner with her dad, the moment I saw her, All my nerves went away. I never had cold feet. I was nervous. But the moment I saw her walking towards me, I had no doubt in my mind that she was the one that I wanted to marry and spend the rest of my life with. It uh, it calmed down, everybody. Uh, It it was such a unique experience to have in my life, to have this this no doubt. And and listen, since that that moment, nearly 12 years ago, we've had great ups, we've had great downs. But in that moment, I knew as she walked towards me, I had no doubt she was going to be my wife. I didn't have any cold feet. There was nothing that made me want to run away from the altar. I was there. I was ready to go. I had no doubt in my mind that she was the one for me. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians that attend church that can't actually say that same statement when it comes to their relationship with Jesus, where they can say, I have no doubt in my mind that I am saved. I have no doubt in my mind when it comes to my relationship with Jesus. And and honestly, this is more common in church than any pastor or any leader wants to admit. There are so many people in church that have this doubt of their salvation, have this doubt when it comes to their relationship with God, way more than we ever want to acknowledge. You know, last week I talked, like I said, 
from 1 John chapter 3 about the evidence. The evidence of being a Christ follower. And we talked about the challenge that John gave and as well, the challenge that Jesus gave to us about being a Christ follower and what that looks like. Today, in the next chapter, in chapter 4, this is almost the, the prequel. Uh, sermon right now. This is the origin story. We're going all the way back to the moment that we actually found Jesus. Before we talk about the evidence of being a Christ follower, we're going to talk today about what it means to actually become a Christian and to follow Jesus with no doubt in our minds. And we're going to talk about how even within this, the enemy wants to come and cast doubt in our minds and cast doubt over the rightful claim that we have to be a child of God. Before we talk about this evidence, we have to talk about the security that we have in our relationship with Jesus. I grew up in church, and there's a beautiful song that we used to sing a lot, and and I love it, and and I think we should sing it again at some point. Uh, But it's this old hymn written in the 1800s by a blind woman called Blessed Assurance. Uh, Come on now, all you people that have grown up in church, you know this song. It's Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine, right? I love the words of it. It says, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I don't know why we always start soft and then just vibrato at to the end. But it says, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And then that beautiful chorus, it goes, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all my days long. Right? This beautiful, beautiful song. But I love it because of of even that first line. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. The writer of this hymn had this assurance. No doubt at all that Jesus was hers. That Jesus was her Savior. This assurance, having no doubt. And so today I want to look at how we as Christ followers can have no doubt when it comes to our relationship with Christ. And so I've got a couple of thoughts that I want to share with you. The first thought today is this. I know I'm saved because I believe the witnesses. I know I'm saved because I believe the witnesses. You know, at the moment in our church, we're doing a survey of the Bible, running through it. It's amazing. We've been doing it every Tuesday night. Uh, I want to encourage you that if you missed this series, we're going to do it again straight after it. And I love delving into the Word of God, learning the context, learning the background, learning what makes the Bible the Bible. And I, what, what it's done is it's just reaffirming the trust that I have in the Word of God. I I trust what is written in there. But not everybody trusts the word of God. In fact, there's a lot of people that come against the word of God that believe that it's fake, believe that it's made up. How can you believe things that were written by men thousands of years ago? How can you trust these things? You didn't meet them. You didn't know them. How do you know that there was a man named Jesus? How do you know that he was the son of God? How did you know that God sent him? How did you know that he actually died on the cross and he took my sin? Now, today, I don't have time to walk you through all the historical evidence and the historical proof, which is right there. It's very valid. And there's so much historical evidence and proof that would affirm that the word of God is true. But I kind of want to explain it to you a little bit like this. You know, 
One of the privileges I get is I get to travel and preach in other churches. I love doing it. Uh, I don't love travel as much anymore because I have a, a small uh, family, a young, not a small family, I have a young family uh, with young kids. And so I don't love to travel so much. But when you travel, you got to fly. And when I get on the plane, I don't stop and ask for the credentials of the pilot before I get on the plane. Right? I don't pop into the room, hello, hello, excuse me, pilot, excuse me, sir. Uh, can I see your credentials? Uh, what was your percentage that you got in this test that you took? Right? I, I'm not in there. You know what I do? By getting on the plane, I'm trusting that the company that I'm flying with has done their research. They know that this guy's good, and they put him in charge. So I trust him. I may not have ever met the man. In fact, I never meet the pilot until they smile at the end of the flight. You never meet them before the flight. You only meet them at the end of the flight because they know they did a good job. They got you there. It's like when it comes to going to a doctor, right? I go to a doctor. They write out a prescription. I don't understand. I can't even read what the prescription is. Come on, who can ever read? We love you, doctors, but we can't read what you say. You give it to the, the drugstore, the chemist that's there, and you... You don't know really, let's face it, you don't know what they're putting in that bottle, but you are trusting that they're putting the right drug in that bottle that is going to come and it's going to help you get better. When you go to a restaurant, you order your food. You're trusting that they're not doing anything crazy out in the back in the restaurant. That's why be kind to the waiters and the waitresses because you don't want them to do anything crazy, right? You don't know, but you trust that as you order, you've never met these people before. I don't know their background. I don't know their story. But if I'm able to trust these people that I've never, ever met before, then I can trust the word of God that I may have never met the people that wrote the word of God, but I can see thousands of years of proof that affirm the words that each one of these men had written. So John says this in verse 15. Let me read it again. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God, having God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. I trust these words that John has written. That if I live in God, God lives in me. That God is love. I trust these words. I don't just trust my emotions. Because my emotions can come and go. You know, a church like ours can sometimes be accused of emotionally uh, you know, praying on people when we give a, a, a chance and an opportunity to receive the gospel. We get someone to, you know, stand on the keyboard and play the keyboard. It kind of sets the mood and, you know, I'll get inspirational as I'll talk and we, and we do all. Can, can I tell you this, that, you know what, we, I believe, effectively deliver the gospel message. The piano helps set the mood. It helps get rid of distractions so people can focus on what we're saying. But it's always my prayer in our church that no one would ever make an emotional decision to follow Jesus just because they're feeling emotional in that moment. Because the moment that emotion leaves, so will your relationship with Jesus leave. And our relationship with Jesus, my relationship with Jesus is not based on my emotion. It's based on the witness of these men. You know, just a couple weeks ago, I was in the Australian embassy here in Manila, and I'm trying to get new passports uh, for my daughters. It's not an easy process to be, uh, as I'm classified, an 
alien living overseas. Thank you for the warm welcome, uh, the Philippines. I'm an alien living overseas, so we got to get these passports. And, and we had to prove that Kate was actually, her name was Kate Ayton, because on the birth certificate of Sienna in the Philippines, they put her maiden name instead of her married name, right? And so I told the guy, I said, but, but you know, the, 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 the person that was interviewing me, I go, but she is my wife. You know, look, here's a photo of us. You know, we're in love. Look, look at us. We're, you know, she's so beautiful. She loves me. She tells me every day she loves me. I provide for her. Look at the rings on her finger. That was my whole life savings at the time. I put on her hand to show I love. And you know what? The guy looked at me. He said, no, we need actual proof. And I'm like, what? Why do you need actual proof? So you know what I had to do? I had to go home and I had to get the proof, right? My emotional response to him was not good enough. He needed proof. And when it comes to what I believe, I don't just want to believe my emotions in a moment. I want to believe the witness that is in the word of God. It's not just my emotions that one day I saw a cloud that looked like the face of Jesus and all of a sudden I knew that Jesus was real. No, when I searched the scriptures, when I read Read what John says, that I live in God and God lives in me and that God is love. I trust that witness. But do you know what is amazing? Is that I don't just only have to rely on the witness in the word, but I have a witness that's living inside of me. This is incredible. This is what it says in the very next chapter of 1 John, in, in 1 John chapter 5. It says in verse 6, it says, And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, listen up, listen here, the Spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. So the spirit here has all of a sudden become a witness, right? If someone's given a testimony, they are a witness. And the spirit of God confirms what Jesus did as a testimony. So it goes on to say, so we have these three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three agree. And since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his son. And all who believe in the son of God know in their hearts that his testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in the son. Whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not have God's son does not have life. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, we accept his spirit inside of us. And this spirit that testifies what I just wrote, that God has given us eternal life and this life is found in Jesus. Now, it's not just something that we read in the Bible. It is a witness inside of us. We have the spirit inside of us operating as a witness. Come on, this is exciting news. Now I don't just believe the word of God, but the word of God through his spirit is living inside of me. Why does this matter? Because the enemy is going to send people to question your salvation. The enemy is going to send situations and storms to question your salvation, to challenge your testimony. Suppose I'm eating a burger. It's well known that I love burgers, burgers and fries, in fact, and I'm eating a burger. And someone came up to me and said, James, uh, I don't believe in burgers at all. 
And if I did believe in burgers, they're horrible and I don't like them and they're just silly. Well, what would I say? As I'm eating a burger, what would I say? I would reject what they would say. Why? Because I'm sitting here eating a burger. It's stupid. They're telling me a lie of the truth that I hold in my hand. Despite the arguments that you're coming against me with, I have a witness inside of me to say this is a burger. Listen up, Christians. A Christian testimony is never at the mercy of an unbeliever with an argument because they don't have a witness inside of them like you do. Their argument can never come against you. I tell our church all the time, no one can take your testimony away from you. If it happened to you, it's your testimony. Go to the grave telling it. Go to the grave sharing the good things that God has done in our lives. My proof is found in the word of God and the witness of the spirit that lives inside of me. So when the enemy comes to put lies in my head, to put doubts in my head. Are you really, did Jesus really, did he really say that? It's kind of like what the devil did with Jesus when he tried to tempt him. Did God really say that? Did God really say this when he tempted Adam and Eve? How did he do it right at the beginning? Did God really, did he really say that? Well, yes, he did. The proof is in the word and the proof is in my spirit. I know I'm saved because I believe the witnesses. My second point today is simply this. I'm saved by grace, not by my own works. So we've talked about now that we can believe that we're saved. We don't have to question it. We don't have to feel like, uh, uh, you know, about it. We believe it because of what the word of God says and the spirit that bears witness inside of us. Now we have to understand how we actually got saved. And it's not because you're an amazing person. Let's read what it says in verse 17. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. You don't need to fear hell. You don't need to fear punishment because Jesus already took that upon himself in our place. You don't have to fear the fire or the flames or the wrath of God which is coming because Jesus has already taken our place for us. Fearing judgment day actually reflects not having a true understanding of the assurance of our faith. Fearing judgment. You know how we fear judgment day? By thinking that, oh, we did one bad thing. We're no longer a Christian. Now, some of you, the moment I said that, just went, oh, that's me. That's me. If you do one bad thing, oh, no, I'm sorry, God, don't, don't send me to hell. Thinking that one mistake is going to send us to hell. Thinking that, that, that if we do one thing bad or we do one thing, well, if I died right now, have you ever thought this? Oh, if I make a mistake and then I die, am I go to hell? Thinking that one bad action can actually make you lose your salvation, that's where the wrong thinking is found. And this wrong thinking usually doesn't start when you're a Christian. It usually starts at the moment you become a Christian. It starts when we think that our good actions actually enable us to become a Christ follower. If you believe that your behavior, behavior earned it, then you'll also believe that your behavior can lose it. 
If you believe that your behavior earns salvation, then you'll also believe that your behavior can lose your salvation in Jesus. And so many times we get the parameters of salvation completely mixed up. And we believe that by acting a certain way, it actually allows us to be saved. What does the Bible say? The Bible talks directly against this. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes this. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. You can't take credit. You were saved because of him, not because of you. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Paul makes it so clear here. Salvation has nothing to do with the good things that we've done. It is only a gift that we receive from God. And the Bible is super clear, not just in this passage, but in many passages, especially throughout the New Testament, is this, is that we need to believe first and then our behavior will change. Believe first, then behavior changes. And when our behavior changes, it will happen at a different pace and a different speed for every person that goes through this journey, like I talked about last week. So never compare. Never look at someone else and go, oh, but look how further ahead they are. No, God's called you to walk your journey. There will be evidence of salvation in your behavior, but it will happen after you get saved, not before you get saved. Jesus said in John 13, what's the evidence? We talked about it last week. The evidence is love. When you love other people, that's an evidence of following him. Galatians tells us, oh, I love this scripture in Galatians chapter 5. It's the fruits of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. That's a song we used to sing when I was in kids' church. But what is it? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. It says in Galatians 5.22, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you know what that is? That is evidence of our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the evidence. I don't expect to see all those things before someone gets saved. I expect to see them after someone gets saved. And you know what? I don't expect them to expect to see it perfected in anyone because we are on a journey of growing in all these things until the day we die. It's these evidence that show that we are a Christ follower. But how do we look and how do we judge these evidences? This is where we get it wrong. And this is where some people really struggle is because they judge the evidence the wrong way. If you ever studied statistics in school, you'll understand that when you study statistics, when you use the evidence to come up with uh, what you're trying to come up with, uh, you don't just take a little itty itty bit of information and then create your whole uh, theology or what you want on this little bit of information. You don't do it. What do you do? You, 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 you widen the area. You don't just look at one day to say, this is how someone is for the rest of your life. You look at a week. You look at a month. You look at a whole season. And unfortunately, there's so many Christ followers that have one bad day and think that they've lost their salvation because of one bad day. 
or they have one bad week and they've lost their salvation. That's why there's so many people that come to church and hear me. I love you if you do this, but I want to challenge you. Stop doing this, right? There's so many people that come and every time we do a salvation altar call at the end of the church, they lift their hand up every single week because they had a bad week that week. Now, sometimes, you know, that's just the heart of, you know, I feel convicted. You know, I, I want to pray that prayer. But really, that's the wrong place to be because if you prayed the prayer and Christ is inside, of you, you may have had a bad week, but that hasn't stopped you being a Christian. You just had a tough week. And if you want to look at the evidence to see if you're a Christ follower, don't just look at a week. Don't just look at a month. I'm sure that there's many Christians in the Philippines that have been in lockdown over the last three months that you would not want the world to see how you acted and behaved in certain moments during this lockdown. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm preaching from experience myself. I'm glad you didn't have a camera in my house some moments because if you looked at it, you went, oh, that's unchristian-like behavior. Yeah, sometimes it is. But what I didn't do was base my whole Christian walk on a one day. I've looked at a season and I've looked at the evidence in my life and I've given myself time. If you've had a bad day, a bad week, even a bad season, that doesn't mean that you're no longer a Christian. Being a Christian is not about where you are on the journey. It's about what direction you're facing. Yeah, you might have taken three steps forward and then it felt like 17 steps backward. But if you're facing towards Jesus, it doesn't matter how far you are on the journey. It just matters what direction that you're facing. And you know who struggles with this the most? It's people that have grown up in Christian and in Catholic homes. Why? Because when we got in trouble, Jesus was upset with us. Come on. When we got in trouble, when we do something wrong, right, growing, growing up, and, and, and a lot of times, if we grow up in Christian homes, a lot of people, right, we never had this almost like black to white experience of Christ saving us from our sins because we kind of always knew that we were saved from our sins. And I, even when I was a kid, I, you know, I would live in this sense of in the Old Testament, if you would break an oath, uh, you know, you would die, right? And so I used to be like, I used to be like, I make an oath that I'm not going to jump in the next five seconds. And then I wouldn't jump and I'd be like, oh, good, I didn't die, right? Like th thinking that that's how God worked, even as a Christian kid, thinking that whenever I got in trouble, that it was like, okay, I had to repent of my sin because I lost my salvation. No. When you do something wrong, there's a difference between living an active lifestyle of sin and being a saint who found Jesus that now occasionally sins. There's a difference. It's about the direction in which you're facing and I want to really challenge you, especially if you grew up in a Christian family. You know, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, when you have a bad day or a bad week, it's not like all of a sudden you've been kicked out of the, the Lamb's book of life and now you got to get back in it. No, you're still in the book. You're still going to heaven. You still have a relationship with Jesus. You just had a bad week. Because when you honestly think that, then that means that you think that just this certain behavior can get you out of a relationship with God. And I promise you, if that's what you think, then you also think that certain behavior can get you a relationship with God. And that is completely against what the Bible said. When you face him on that day of judgment, you will have no fear. Why? Because when you have Jesus inside of you, you're living like Jesus. You're walking towards Christ. Have no doubt. My last thought that I want to share is this, is that doubting, takes us away 
from the call. Doubting takes us away from the call. Every single moment that we allow doubt to enter our minds when it comes to our relationship with Christ, that is a moment that we are being ripped away from the call that God has for us in our life. You know, the wholeness that we have as a, as a people, being a whole person, is actually having unwavering confidence in your standing with God and who you are as his child. It's having this unwavering confidence that no matter what's going on, I'm still his child. You know, I've been a horrible, horrible uh, child to my parents over the years, especially when I was younger. Not so much in the last, you know, 18 years. I've probably been their best child in the last 18 years. But the first 18, I, it, was, it was really bad. And uh, even though as bad as I was, even though as horrible as I was, I always knew I was my dad's son. I always knew it. I look like him. Uh, I have his name. I, I'm always my dad's son. And wholeness within a Christian, yeah, there's a lot of things, but really wholeness is having this unwavering faith going and understanding I know that I'm a child of God. And you know, our call, what does it say? Our call in verse 19, it says, we love each other because he loved us first. That is our call, to love each other. And the doubts of our salvation and standing with God that creep into our minds, they are an attack from the enemy that is meant to distract you from the authority and the call that God has given you. It's, it's meant to be a distraction from what you're supposed to do. A few weeks ago, I got home. I was out all day uh, doing stuff for church. I got home. And when I get home, it, I, my focus is my children. I have to. They've been in the house. They haven't been out of the house in months. When I come through the door, it's daddy, right? So I've got to be, I got to be game on, game face go on. And I love spending time with my kids. They haven't seen me all day. I want to spend time. I got home and Kate's like, James, there's something wrong with the sink in the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, actually, my wife doesn't talk like that. That was a really, that was a really aggressive tone of my wife. Um, it was more like, it was more like, sweetheart, uh, you know, there's something in the sink. Can you go do it? I'm like, baby girl, I got you. So I go in the sink and, and I begin to do the unclog. I, I'm underneath, I'm, I'm doing plumbing. I'm like unscrewing stuff. I find, and all this gunk, all this hair, all this paint. There's like uh, ear tips that the kids have thrown in there. It was disgusting. And I start pulling it all out and, and, and doing it. And, I'm, and it's taking me a while. And then I think to myself, you know what? My sink in my bathroom is like not going down. Maybe there's stuff in there. And so I go out and Kate's like, do you need to do this right now? Right? That's what I'm, I'm trying to do her voice as good as I can. She's like, do you need it? And I'm like, yes, I just want to get it done. And I did. And it, here's the crazy thing. I, I did all the sync. I did it. But I ended up spending about an hour doing this whole thing. Can I just bluntly tell you, that time would have been better spent with my children. I hadn't seen them all day. I was distracted, even by doing something that was good, by clearing the sink, I was distracted from doing what I was supposed to be doing, which was being a father. I could have done that sink later on that night, but I got distracted by it, and it took me away from what my call was in that moment, which was to be a dad to my kids. You know, when we allow doubt to creep in and to sit with us, it's taking our minds, it's taking our hearts, it's taking our time, away from what is important. How can we be fully used when we don't fully believe? And you might be sitting here and going, oh, this is me. 
You might have been going to church for 25 years and you're thinking to yourself, this is me. Well, I just want to tell you this. You are not alone. Like I said right at the beginning of this sermon, that this is a problem that happens in church that we don't really want to admit too much that it actually happens, but it is. There's a lot of people that have doubts over their Christianity. There's been many famous. I was reading the other day, Charles Spurgeon, known as the Prince of, Peach, uh, Prince of Peach Preachers, has this story about how he had doubted his salvation in God. There, there's been many times, even in my life, where I've had doubt creep in. I've got questions that I can't answer. You know, people say, well, well, this question and this question about the Bible, I don't know every answer. I mean, God's always existed. Who created God? Where did he come from? I don't know. When I start thinking about that, I go down the rabbit hole, man. There is a lot of questions that I don't understand. And sometimes there is doubts that come in. But can I tell you the great news about doubt is that faith exists because of doubt. You don't have faith without doubt. Because faith looks at doubt and goes, even though this is what I'm hearing, even though this is what I'm seeing, I'm going to have faith to believe that it's not true. And I'm going to have faith to believe, what have we already talked about? To believe the witness. To believe the witness of the word. To believe the witness that is in my life. When it comes to our salvation, we must have faith to believe that there is no doubt that we have been saved. Don't let the enemy steal precious time that we have by living in the lie of doubt. Living in the lie of doubt, am I really saved? Am I really good with you? Am I really going to heaven? Yes, if Christ is in you, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, then you are going to heaven. Christ is living inside of you. The evidence will become seen through the fruits of the Spirit and through the love that you display. Don't let the enemy steal the position that you have in Christ. What's the position you have in Christ? I'm so glad that you asked because Paul writes about it so clearly in Ephesians chapter two. This is what Paul says. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Does that sound like you and me? It sounds like me. And you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander, the powers, and the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, Now, if you were wondering, does this involve me? Yes. All of us, it says, used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful spirit. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But then we get to verse four and we get our but God moment. Even though that's who we used to be, even though all of us, you and me watching this, even though that's how we used to act in verse four, but God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That is our position. We sit 
united with Jesus Christ right now. Don't let the enemy steal away your position with doubt that he puts in like seeds. Sometimes they just start as small seeds and they begin to grow and grow and grow over time. It's time to rip out those trees, to rip out those weeds, to rip out those seeds. You have confidence knowing that once you were dead, but now, not because of your behavior, not because of your good works, but because it says it in the Bible, the proof is in the word. Now, because of what Christ has done, that witness now lives inside of me. Am I perfect? No! But at least I'm facing towards Jesus. Maybe today you're not facing towards Jesus. In a moment, we're going we're gonna to pray, and, and I've got a bunch of verses that I want to give to every Christ follower that questions their salvation sometimes. Because what's the greatest thing that you can do when doubt comes in? It's to repel doubt with truth. And what's the greatest truth that we have? The greatest truth that we have is this. It's the word of God. It's not my emotions. It's not remembering that one time at, at church when the music came up and the piano and the haze machine was there and everything. I just felt the spirit of God. It's not that. That's not, that's not the truth that we hold on to. That's an emotional experience. What we hold on to is this. It's the word of God. And we're going to pray for that in a moment. But before we do, I want to give every person here a chance, an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Right now, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're not doing what John talked about where you live in him and he lives in you, it's because you're not facing towards Jesus. And the reason why you're not facing towards Jesus is because there's sin in your life. And, and sin has been there since you were born. Sin separates us from God. But the Bible actually tells us, and, and through Jesus himself actually, calls us to repent, to repent and believe. And repenting means to change direction. The original Greek word of this repent, it actually signifies this, this complete change, 180 degree change in direction. So you were once heading this way uh, towards hell, towards the wrath of God, but now understanding that sin has actually separated me from God and understanding just like the word of God says that Jesus has saved me by dying on the cross and rising again that all I've got to do is come humbly before him and ask him to forgive me of my sins what we do in this moment is that we change direction and we begin to head towards Christ it never changes the position of where we're at it changes our direction and where we're facing you'll get better over time the fruits of the spirit will grow more. Fruits just don't automatically become big. What do they do? They grow, and they'll grow in your life. But in order to get the fruits of the Spirit, in order to love the way Jesus loved, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're watching this right now, and you've never, ever come to a point where you've given your heart to Christ. You've never prayed a prayer that reflects what Paul the Apostle writes in Romans chapter 10 when he says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Maybe you've never done that before. Or maybe you're here and you did this a long time ago, but your doubt of your salvation, doubt become to come in and doubt began to stay and then doubt began to live in your mind. And you made a decision, whether you actively did it or whether it was just a decision of time where your relationship with Jesus broke down and you no longer have that with him. I want to give you a chance to respond to to Christ right now. If that's you and you're saying, James, I want to pray that prayer. Could you just put your hand on your heart with me? I'm going to pray this prayer and I want you to repeat these words 
after me. It's a powerful prayer to Jesus. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come to you right now and I confess my sin. I believe that you died on the cross but you rose again for me. So please come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my best friend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to congratulate you that if you just prayed that prayer, that is the greatest decision you will ever make in your life. And we are so desperate to, to know if that was you that prayed that prayer. So if you could just right now stick up your hand on social media, right in the box on Facebook or on our online platform, whatever it is, wherever you're watching us from in YouTube, on Kumu, can you just let us know? I, I prayed that prayer because we want to follow you up because the Christian life is not meant to be done alone. You know, one of the great things that we actually have is that when, when we go through doubt sometimes, we have the witness of the word, we have the witness of the word, we have the witness of the spirit, and as well, we have the witness of our friends around us. And so that's why when we walk in a relationship with Jesus, it's so good to have people around us helping us. And so I want to encourage you, let us know so that we can really come alongside you and help you in your walk with Jesus. You know, for all of us now, this is what I, I just want us to do for a moment. I believe that wherever you're watching this from right now, whether it's live or whether you're watching this on replay or delay, I believe that the presence of God is right with you as you're watching. Maybe you've never felt this or experienced it before. But right now, I believe the presence of God is there. And I want you right where you are to lift your hands. And I want us to begin to worship. And we're just going to sing this chorus of this song, which I like. It's a, it's a chorus declaring who we are. Come on, let's sing. Who the sun. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favor Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.